Coming up on this edition of Stat Pack, we get a degree in brain surgery and open up the mind of the Houston Texans. Also, using the big board, we take a look at what team that's riding high might need to worry about their quarterback, although not too much. We're not going to press the panic button right now. But that and more on this week's Stat Pack. Welcome to this week's edition of Stat Pack. Providing you with a six-pack of subjects featuring the cold, hard football facts and the stats that truly matter. Here's your host, Adam Dobrowolski. Hey there, Pigskins fans, and welcome to the Week 7 edition of Stat Pack. I'm your host, Adam Dobrowolski, and we have an interesting six-pack of topics to get for you today. We look at the Houston Texans and wonder why they are continuing to be maybe the dumbest team ever. We're going to break down the Houston Texans' fall in crucial and excruciating detail. We're going to conduct our own brain surgery here on Cold Hard Football Facts. We're also going to take a look at the Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs through the big board. Find out what about the Packers you don't need to worry about and what you do need to worry about for the Chiefs. Of course, we also take a look at the King of Props, the Intelligence Index. Also, a little bit of a twist for our six-pack of top teams and, of course, the six-pack of top games. But let's get things started. Got to put on my gloves here and my mask, and we got to do some brain surgery here on Stat Pack. Find out what stats and trends you can buy or sell as we delve into this week's Mathletics. Well, as we take a look at this week's Mathletics, we... Well, we've been talking about this for so many weeks. Many people are probably sick of hearing about the Houston Texans, but this was something we worried about when looking at the big board back in week one when the Texans put up a bendability of only 9.39 in a win against the San Diego Chargers. The following week, when we were buying and selling 2-0 teams, we noted how there was barely an improvement for the Texans in bendability, but we figured they were going to get better. They were going to get smarter. They are going to smart up. It was just some tough plays that they were having to deal with, and they were eventually going to get better. Well, we were wrong. It only got worse. Yes, in week four, they put together a season-best bendability of 11.74, but they also have week three, week five, and week six, and they hit rock bottom yesterday, or last week or today or whatever, this week's just been bad. A 5.68 bendability against the St. Louis Rams, losing at home to the St. Louis Rams by 25. This is a Rams team that has not been two games over 500 in seven years. Unbelievable to think, right? It is just a sad state of affairs for the Houston Texans. In fact, their bendability at 8.57 is far and beyond. One of the worst through six weeks ever. Through our history of cold hard football facts, it is by and far the worst. Think about this. The Houston Texans at 8.57, dead last obviously in bendability. The next team below them, the New York Giants, have a bendability better than them of 2.66. And this is a New York Giants team that's not even good in bendability. They, in fact, are one of the worst in our history, 11.23. In fact, between the Jaguars, Giants, and Texans, 
uh, those three teams under a 12 bendability. Uh, you look at it, and there's a total of 17 teams in our history. This is now spanning a decade uh, that we have here, the cold hard football facts. And if you become a CHFF insider, you have access to a week-by-week detailed quality stats you can find out there 17 teams in the 10-year history that we have that information they had a bendability under 12 through six weeks each of the first six weeks the texans have had under under a 12 bendability and all but one they had under 11 there's only three teams in our 10-year span here that there's been under 11 bendability through six weeks. The 2005 New Orleans Saints, 10.46. The 2008 Houston Texans, 10.80. And now the 2013 Houston Texans, 8.57. This seems to be an unsustainable rate of stupidity, but we're not just going to say that. We're going to open up the mind here. See what's a little bit wrong with this Houston Texans team. Again, 2.66 differential between the Texans and Giants, 31-32. That's the same differential between the Giants at 31 and the Atlanta Falcons at 25. So basically that last quadrant, minus the Texans obviously, but 25-31, the same differential, that quadrant is the same as that tail end. It's a really weird outlier and, well, for the Texans, obviously, there's been a problem with it. Four times, a sub-10 bendability. There's been 15 times altogether in the NFL so far this season. No other team with multiple games of a sub-10 bendability, but the Texans have done it four times. So now that we have all that to think about, we add in the fact that the Texans are 30th in scoreability, 22.4, and have just an absolutely brain-dead 13.83 intelligence index. You look at it, and if you look at just yards from scrimmage, not including special teams or all for turns, the Texans have a yard margin of plus 857 with a point differential of minus 79. Now, I went back, looked through the history of the NFL since 1940, since team data has been available, and the Texans are only the 30th team with... An 800-plus yard differential through six games. That's it. 30 teams all together throughout the history. We're looking at 74 years. 30 teams with a yard differential 800 or better. Plus 800 or better through six weeks. And the Houston Texans are one of them. There's been only two of those 30 teams with a non-winning record. The other team was the 2010 San Diego Chargers. They, like the Texans, were 2-4, and four, but they had all four of their losses by one possession. They were all on the road. Seven points at Kansas City, seven points at Seattle, eight points at Oakland, three points at St. Louis. Breaking it down just a little bit further, the problem for the Chargers back then was, well, they allowed six return touchdowns through the six games uh, that they play. They were the first team to do so, allowing six return touchdowns through six games. Well, the Texans topped them. They're now the seven. There were teams before these two uh, that allowed five return touchdowns uh, through six games post-merger. Uh, overall, a total of 17 teams since the merger 
to allow at least five return touchdowns. That includes, by the way, the 2013 New York Giants. But the Texans topped that list with seven. The Chargers were second on that list at six. The rest, the other 15, at five. Breaking it down just a little bit more, the Texans became just the 35th team in NFL history since 1940 with a yard differential better than plus 300, but to have a negative point differential. Decided to break that down into some subsets here. Looking at it, only eight teams with a negative point differential, but a yard differential of plus 450 or better. On the flip side, another subset, there's only eight teams with a yard differential of plus 300 or better. Think about it, 350 yards per game through six games and a negative 30-point differential or worse. So bottom line, the subset, you're having plus 50 yards per game but minus 5 points per game. There's only 8 teams. Of those two subsets, 3 teams share both. Obviously, the Houston Texans of 2013. The other two teams, the 1981 Washington Redskins and 1976 Cleveland Browns. And I wanted to see what precedent these teams would set. Well, the precedent they set is that they were going to get better. The Washington Redskins, yard differential just under 600, but outscored by 55 points. They started 1-5 through six games, finished 8-8. Eight and eight. The Browns, yard differential plus 488, point differential minus 43. Started the year 3-3, three and three. they finished the year. Nine and five. But it's not all sunshines and ponies here for the Houston Texans. If they follow that, they'd be nine and seven. You'd be fighting at best for the sixth playoff spot in the AFC. But you want to look at the two subsets. I mentioned the subset plus 450 or better in terms of yard differential. That means in your first six games, you had a yard differential on average of 75 or better, but you were still outscored. Those teams, besides Washington and Cleveland, either were even in trend and record or downward. The other subset, the one with uh, the worse than negative 30-point differential, well, that oddly either slightly trended upward or trended directly upward. Interesting to see the split of that dynamic because when you think about it, yard differential you would think could be more reliable than point differential because there's a bigger number. It's going to converge more. Well, yards are contextual. So we're seeing the difference just of those subsets. One's saying that the Texans should trend upward. The other one says at best they're going to trend evenly and continue this two and four poor play. You know, five and ten leads to six and ten or five and eleven overall. One's telling us that. The other one's telling us the Texans could get back to 500. So I don't know what to think about this team besides the fact that they need to figure out a way to get better. And it's not going to get any better this Sunday when they have Case Keenum going up against the Kansas City Chiefs who, with the bendability of 28.28, has the best mark through six weeks since the 2009 Denver Broncos. Ouch. May only get worse for the Texans before they're by, but maybe after that they can figure it out. Now that we've got the brain surgery done for the Texans, we're hoping that the little changes we've made may make them a bit smarter in the future. Get a taste of the CHFF Insider as Adam takes a look at this week's statistical big boards. Well, I don't think they're going to give me a Nobel Peace Prize for the first ever 10-minute brain surgery 
So instead, I got to go continue here on Stat Pack, moving forward with the big board. And we take a look at three things. First, for the Green Bay Packers, no Matthews, no problem. Well, Clay Matthews doesn't play for the Green Bay Packers as they travel on the road to face the struggling Baltimore Ravens, an offense that doesn't seem to be turning in the right direction. Well, how about this for the Green Bay Packers? According to our big board, they had the best defensive hog index of a single game, and even three. That means they were straight across the board the best. Negative pass play percentage, yards per attempt, and third down. That's your first perfect defensive hog index of the year. Now, obviously, that's relative to the week, but still, the Packers, the best defensive performance, and they don't have one of their best guys for their defensive hogs, maybe just maybe the Packers are figuring things out. They're starting to run the ball now. Regularly, 100-yard rushers. Their defense is playing better since the bye, limiting the Lions to three points, the Ravens to 17 points. Maybe they're getting back to that 2010 form and they had the balanced team that never trailed by more than seven points en route to a Super Bowl victory. We'll keep an eye out for that. They're not relying too much on Aaron Rodgers and becoming a one-sided team. Meanwhile, we look at a 6-0 Kansas City Chiefs team and well, while Alex Smith, he's a great fit for this team, good running game, good offense, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. He's the perfect game manager type for this team, and he's proven to be just a winner, baby. But could there be some problems in the Alex Smith front? The Kansas City Chiefs only put up 3.09 real passing yards per attempt against a solid but not great Oakland Raiders defense. That's the worst among winning teams so far this season. Last year, there were only two worst performances among winning teams. Well, this was one, the Minnesota Vikings against the Arizona Cardinals, and two, the Cincinnati Bengals against the Philadelphia Eagles. Good thing is, both of those teams made the playoffs. So it looks like the Chiefs are going that way. The bad thing, both of them were one and done. Could that be the Kansas City Chiefs? You need a little bit more teeth in your offense in the postseason. Remember, Alex Smith's postseason victory came at home against a bad New Orleans Saints defense, and the Saints have never won a road playoff game in franchise history. Keep that in mind next time you think about Alex Smith and that great performance. Maybe, just maybe, he had things going in his favor, and maybe, just maybe, he won't have that in the postseason this year. Keep an eye out for that. And then finally, well, could have Week 6 been the biggest blowout week of the year. There were five games, more than any other week so far, with a real quarterback rating differential of 50 points or better. Obviously, you had the Rams and Texans, as well as the Panthers and Vikings. Those were your two 25-point victories. But Pittsburgh and New York, 19-6 game, the Steelers had the advantage. The Bears had the advantage over the Giants. They only won by six at home. And the Eagles, thanks to Nick Foles and his fantastic performance, had it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and rookie quarterback Mike Glennon. But the Eagles won by 11 points. So I'm interesting to see such big differences in real quarterback rating. But for those last three games, a combined scoring differential of just 10 points. Maybe the Eagles, Bears, 
and Steelers need to do a little bit better in capitalizing on their opportunities if they want to keep up and continue those winning ways that they had from week six. That's enough, though, now for the big board. Let's move on to our next segment. Need help with your prop bets? Adam gives you an inside scoop by review in this week's bets from the king of props. Next up, we look at the king of props. And, well, unfortunately for the first time in six weeks, and who knows, maybe the last time, our king of props had a losing week. Part of this was bad luck, maybe a little bit of questionable decision-making. Who knows? we got to break it down. we got to figure out what went wrong for our king of props and Mr. John Dudley. Well, last Thursday, our king of props decided to pick Jay Cutler to go over 275.5 passing yards. I mean, it's against the New York Giants defense. The only thing that can hold back Jay Cutler is that the Bears just completely blow out the Giants in its three or four possession game and they decide to sit on the ball. Well, somehow, someway, in a 27-21 game, the Bears couldn't pass the ball late in the game. Basically, the last third of the game, the Bears couldn't pass the ball. Through halftime, Cutler well projecting over the mark. He's basically on pace for a 300-yard game. First drive, Bears get a touchdown. First drive in the second half. But after that, it went kaput. And again, we mentioned the Bears had a real quarterback rating differential better than 50 over the Giants. This should have been a win for the King of Props, but I don't know what happened. I think this might be a little bit of a concern for the Bears. You're starting to see a little bit of a leak. Their offense couldn't finish a job against, well, pretty much the worst team in the league. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried a little bit about that. Maybe they just got conservative, decided to sit on the ball and take the win. I'm not sure. Next up, Jeremy Curley was predicted to have over three and a half receptions. Well, this one we're just going to put on Jeremy Curley. We're, we're going to say, well, come on, man, what's up? You got seven targets. You catch 50% of those targets. You're breaking even three and a half receptions. Now, obviously, you can't have a half reception in the National Football League, so you just go above. You, you know, round up. You have four. Well, instead, he had two. Only two receptions on seven attempts. Now, granted, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers who have traditionally had a great passing defense, but this was also the Pittsburgh Steelers that were 0-4 on the road and had one of the worst teams according to our quality stats power rankings. Jeremy, got to do better if you want to help out your rookie quarterback in Geno Smith. The win of the week was the Jaguars quarterbacks having over 235.5 passing yards. Chad Henney was the only Jaguars quarterback in the game against the Broncos. A 35-19 loss. The Jaguars played pretty well. 303 passing yards for Chad Henney. And then for the Monday night game, well, the pick for Vincent Brown to go over four and a half receptions. Remember, Vinny had seven receptions each of the previous two games. However, in what was the weirdest game of the season so far, another loss for the King of Props. Just two receptions for 31 yards. He had only four targets. He had fewer targets than what Vegas was projecting for his receptions. Why? Well, this was a game that made no sense. The Colts were a top team in the Intelligence Index, yet they're making mistakes left and right. They weren't converting their yards into points. The Chargers, meanwhile, had one of the best passing offenses, one of the worst passing defenses. They don't allow Andrew Love to get much going in the passing game, but then on offense, they 
go run heavy. They have plays for scoring drives of at least 10 plays. And one of the few teams in NFL history that four consecutive drives lead to a score and last double-digit plays. And they do this with Ryan Matthews, of all guys, going for over 100 yards. This was a weird game. I think we can just say that was circumstantial at best, that that was a loss. Not really going to pin that upon our king of props. So tough week for our guy, but as I broke it down here for you, not all his fault. A little bit sometimes of just the circumstances. That's why it's Vegas. That's why you got to... Find a way to be as educated as possible. You take the rare weeks of losses. You bounce back the next week and you keep winning. And that's what you can do. All you have to do is to go to CHFF, become an insider. It's $99 for a full year of winning picks, stats, and analysis. If you want to do it as a weekly insider, it's $9.95 per week. Next segment coming up, we look ahead to week seven. Well, now here on our six-pack of top top teams, we take a little bit of a twist. I'm not going to look at what I think are the six best teams. I'm going to look at our quality stats, power rankings, give you a little taste of what you can have on the Cold Heart Football Facts Insider. And I'm going to tell you whether this is a fair projection or an unfair projection in terms of how it relates to the team's chances to make a run to the Super Bowl this season. Just to break it down. Number six, the Denver Broncos. Number five, the Carolina Panthers. Number four, the New Orleans Saints. Number three, the Indianapolis Colts. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number one, the Seattle Seahawks. This pretty much is just looking at the stats, breaking it down. This is a best possible projection. This is not saying these are exactly where the teams are, but this is saying if you want to look at the best possible way to rank the teams overall for all 32 teams, This is probably the best way you can do it. But I'm going to be a little nitpicky here. We're going to have a little fun with this. Denver at number six, I think that's a little bit low. I think the Broncos need to be trending upward. I understand why the Broncos are ranked sixth, though. Despite being first in all offensive indicators, pretty much. Not all of them, but most of them. Scoreability, real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, offensive pass rating. Team total yards. You can also look at them being first in real quarterback rating differential and pass rating differential. The problem's been their passing defense, and they're 31st in defensive real passing yards per attempt. But here's where I think the Broncos are better than sixth on the list if you were to look at Super Bowl contenders. Look, I, I know they're probably number one on every power rankings thing, but a big thing is the balance of a team. You have those holes on defense, they're going to be exploited come January, and even if you're lucky to get into February. Where I think the Broncos are going to get better is the return of Von Miller. It's not just a case of him improving the pass rush. It's going to be the case of the focus turning to him. You can now start to jam up the receivers a bit more. You have lesser time for the opposing quarterback to do his thing because Von Miller is going to put more pressure. So with that, you can have the receivers jam. They can hold the guy at the line, and they can create some more mistakes, force a bit more throws, and have some uh, more incomplete passes, and that should help out the Broncos' worst quality stat, which is, again, defensive real passing yards per attempt. As for the fifth-ranked Carolina Panthers, I think that's, well, too high. 
Again, I understand why the Panthers are up here. They have a top-tier defense. If you want to look at just defenses, well, I mean, sign them up as a top-five Super Bowl contender. Second in bendability. Sixth in defensive real passing yards per attempt. Third in real quarterback rating defensively. Eighth in defensive pass rating. Sixth in the defensive hog index. Eighth in defensive rush rating. Well, my problem is, is the quarterback Cam Newton isn't playing consistently so far this season and he hasn't played consistently in his career he hasn't shown the ability to make fourth quarter comebacks he hasn't shown the ability to win close games and he hasn't shown the ability to really step up his game against the top teams again the carolina panthers are 2 and 14 in games decided by seven points or fewer under head coach ron rivera that is also the time that Cam Newton's been the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Until that gets better, I can't buy the Panthers as a top 10 Super Bowl contender, let alone a top 5 Super Bowl contender. I am fine with the Saints at number 4 and the Chiefs at number 2 and the Seahawks at number 1. Even though I did mention that problem with Alex Smith against the Raiders, if the Chiefs stay at home and get home field advantage... They play defense. They play the rushing game. The Chiefs are a dangerous contender. The only other problem I have is having the Colts at number three. Again, I understand why they're here. They have no pitfalls. Their only quality stat that they're in the bottom half of in the league is defensive rusher rating 21st. Every other quality stat, they're 16th or better. They don't do anything wrong. They're a very solid, well-coached team. My problem is, is they don't have the top-end production and enough quality stats. 15th, 10th, and 12th in real passing yards per attempt, real quarterback rating, and offensive pass rating, respectively. Andrew Luck is in his second season. He's going to get better. I need to see a little bit more of him getting better, though, before I put him there. That Monday night football loss to San Diego, a team that was terrible in the passing defensive indicators there. That should have been a game that Luck destroyed him and moved the team up into the top 10 or even top 5 maybe in those quality stats. He failed to do that, so right now I think the Colts need to be knocked down a, a notch below a third. But for pretty much overall, looking at the quality stats, power rankings, it's, it's a great list. And again, you got to become a Cold Art Football Facts Insider to check it out. Let's move on now. we look at the Intelligence Index. And for the Intelligence Index for Week 7, we take a look at the best games in, well, the one stinker of the week. Your best bets here to see smart, quality football, well, two of three matches that have two-plus teams. There's three matches, but... St. Louis at Carolina is one of them. Well, as mentioned, Carolina's been inconsistent. Two weeks ago, they laid an egg in the Intelligence Index against the Arizona Cardinals. And the Rams, well, they're propped up by the Houston Texans. They were given the game last week. I'm not going to buy them. They were just a team that was one of the worst teams in the league just two weeks ago after being killed by the San Francisco 49ers, and they were 1-3. So I I stay away from that game as a quality must-watch game, but... Your two must-watch games, as you'll see in our list of top games, Denver at Indianapolis. Indianapolis second in the Intelligence Index. I mean, they're doing well. Denver, top 10 type team in terms of intelligence. You got Peyton Manning after all. That's going to be a quality football game. Even 
with all the headlines going on and the quality stats and all those good breakdowns, this is going to be a smart quality game between these two teams. And then how about the hard-nosed play of the San Francisco 49ers at the Tennessee Titans? Remember when San Francisco was one of the worst teams in the Intelligence Index? That was because of an offensive blip. But other than that, they've been one of the smartest teams in the league, and they're now back in the, in the green there in the Intelligence Index on the plus side. Tennessee, well, they've been there for most of the time. Remember, their first four games without a giveaway. That's going to be a hard-nosed game and a quality game at that. As for the uh, stinker, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, your only game where both teams have an intelligence index worse than negative two. I understand the Atlanta Falcons were the number one seed in, in the NFC Championship game last year, but that was last year. They're 1-4 this year. The Buccaneers are 0-5. They have Mike Lennon. As the quarterback, just stay away from that game unless you're a Buccaneers or a Falcons fan. You want to watch some quality football, turn on the Titans or the Colts. Check out Peyton Manning and Colin Kaepernick. That's all I have to say just by looking at the Intelligence Index. Let's wrap the program with what's best for the week ahead. It's the six-pack of top games for this coming week. And finally... Our top six games, six-pack of top games for week seven. Let's begin off at number six, the Cleveland Browns at the Green Bay Packers. Look, this game could get ugly, but I want to see how the Browns' defense holds against Aaron Rodgers and crew. The Browns, second, ninth, and sixth in defensive real passing yards per attempt, defensive real quarterback rating, and defensive pass rating, respectively. Number five, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I understand the Ravens three and three, and probably a bad three and three to be honest at right at this point right now. And the Steelers are one and four, but it's the best rivalry the NFL has. Ten of the twelve games with John Harbaugh against Mike Tomlin have been decided by one possession. This will be a good game. It'll be a hard fought game. It's a Sunday afternoon game. It should be fun. And there's going to be some intense physicality. Number four, the Cincinnati Bengals and the Detroit Lions. I mean, really, an Ohio team against a Michigan team for the second consecutive week in a six-pack of top games. And it's not college football. It's pro football. Yes, it's true. Believe it or not, it's real. Two top ten teams, according to the quality stats, power rankings. Detroit is, though, one tier ahead of the Bengals on both sides of the football in terms of the quality stats passing wise keep a look out to see if the Lions will take advantage of that at home and with Calvin Johnson nearing tip-top shape with that knee number three the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles not as a quality matchup in terms of the overall two teams as Cincinnati Detroit but this is a lot more evenly fit and it's a divisional game it's for the advantage in the NFC East before these two teams match up again week 17 in Arlington how about this? The, the balance we're talking about between these two teams, both teams, great passing offenses, bad passing defenses. When you look at the real quarterback rating differential and the pass rating differential, each team is ninth in one indicator and 10th in the other. That is about as even as you can get. And it's Cowboys-Eagles. I know I'm saying this comfortably in my apartment in the eastern half of PA, but it's going to be fun. There's 
going to be people who don't like each other, and that's some good drama on an NFL Sunday. Number two, as I mentioned, this is going to be a hard-nosed and smart matchup, San Francisco at Tennessee. It's your old-school game. The Titans are 2-1 and one so far in their home slate. They've played the Chargers, the Jets, and the Chiefs. Not a bad slate. They've gone 2-1 and one in those games. We're going to try and go to 3-1. and one. And, and the 49ers, they've really played well as of late uh, during their three-game winning streak. Let's see if that continues. And then, of course, number one, Denver at Indianapolis. It's the only matchup with two top six teams, according to the quality stats, power rankings. It's Peyton Manning coming back home. And look, you can have all that crap you want about Jimmer say, said this, said that. It doesn't matter. All that crap you see in the mainstream media trying to hype up the drama about, you know, Stuff that probably doesn't even matter to the narrative of the game. Maybe it does. Maybe Peyton Manning wants to go back to Indianapolis and stick it to his old team. I don't know. I just know that if the Colts win, they can get one step back closer to potentially funding for the number one seed in the AFC. And they have a chance to make Kansas City the lone undefeated team after being 2-14 and 14 last year. That's interesting narrative. And, oh, yeah, how about the quality stats when you have the Broncos number one in almost every passing indicator outside of offensive Hagenex. Number two, you still have the Colts putting together quality stats all around, all but one in the top half. A well-rounded Colts team at home with that crowd being excited. It's going to be fun, especially with it being on Sunday night. That just about does it for this edition of Stat Pack. We turn forward into week seven. We're nearing the halfway point of the season, but it's time to enjoy another week of pigskins. Have a good one, everybody. (laughs) 